This episode of the Lead Machine Growth Show is brought to you by Lead Machine, the step-by-step tech easy system for getting leads online. Are you ready to start attracting your ideal audience right away? Join the five-day Lead Magnet Magic Challenge today at www.getleadmachine.com forward slash magic. Say goodbye forever to struggling with lead magnets and say hello to getting your offers seen by your ideal clients. Welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show, where you will discover how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Paul Guyen, the mastermind behind the Lead Machine, introduces you to trailblazers who inspire you to implement life-changing solutions and systems you can model to nurture your leads and get your offers seen by your ideal clients who will invest in themselves and you. Be sure you visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, tune in and get ready to transform your vision into reality. Hello, Paul Guyon here. I'm the Lead Machine Coach, host and creator of the Lead Machine Growth Show, the Lead Machine Coaching and Mastermind Group, and the international best-selling author of Journeys to Success, Volume 2, and the Food to the Rescue Community Cookbook. Welcome to the show, and thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, we'll discuss creating opportunities from uncertainty, bouncing back and growing from the challenges in life and in business, and how this can become a limitless source to draw from. Our guest today is Dave Sanderson. Paul, Dave thank Sanderson. You today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just uh, give a little bit of background for our audience who don't know who you are. They'll, they may be surprised. Dave Sanderson is an inspirational TEDx speaker author and philanthropist who channeled his life-changing mission experience rather on U.S. Airways Flight 1549, The Miracle on the Hudson, into a mission to provide insight and strategies on the essential facets of faith, conviction, and leadership, attributes that he credits with saving his life. He has shared the lesson from that experience with over 1,700 audiences worldwide and the strategies he learned and implemented to show how you can not only grow from a tra- traumatic experience, but also in 100 days, achieve your most sought after goals and outcomes. On a personal note, I was a member of one of those audiences way back when Dave released his book, Moments Matter. I also had the privilege of interviewing him for our mastermind group exactly seven years ago to this day. Wow. Yeah, talk about serendipity. Uh, I'll never forget the words you said you heard your mother say in your head in those moments just after the crash. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. This divine prompting and your following actions put into motion a new life for you and thousands of people like me whom your message has touched. Dave Sanderson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you. Wow, seven years to the day. I That blows I me know. away. Wow. Me too. You were on the Ultimate Mastermind Group uh, panel that day, seven years ago today. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Time does move fast, doesn't it? Man. It does. It does. So, um, Flight 1549, can you walk us through your experience on that day, that fateful day, and its impact on your life and career? How did you get here today? 
Yeah. Oh, thank you, Paul. It was a life-changing experience, something that uh, I don't think anybody would ever want to go through, but uh, it turned out to me to be a, well, a blessing and a way to be able to impact other people's lives. It, nothing extraordinary about the day. You know, it was your New York in the middle of the winter, 11 degrees, snowing, but planes were delayed that day. And I, uh, I actually got on a plane that I wasn't supposed to be on. I was supposed to be on the five o'clock flight. But we got out of our business meeting in Brooklyn early. So it's like, I've been gone for three days. Let's get home. Called the travel agent. And she put me on flight 1549. So I, huh. I truly believe I was supposed to be there for a reason and a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And um, once again, nothing extraordinary. You know, I was one of the first people to board the plane because of my status. I was a chairman, which means I fly way too much. I always feel pity for people like <laughs> me. We fly way too much to have that status. But it helps at times be able to board early. So I, I boarded early, didn't pay attention, you know, because I knew everything, right? I fly all the time. I knew everything was going on. So I never paid attention to what it, the flight attendants, the boarding card, knowing where I was at. I was to see 15A, uh, which is four rows behind the left wing. So it's like, you know, I'm in coach. Let's go. But um, as we know, about 60 seconds after we took off is when uh, there was an explosion. And that got my attention. As it would anybody, if you're on a plane, I mean, it's like, that's something out of the ordinary. You usually don't hear explosions. And so I looked out the window, I saw you know fire coming out from the left wing. So I knew something had happened, but, you know, Paul, like most people who fly often, things happen. And yeah. there are times when, you know, planes lose engines. And that's exactly what I thought. But what, you know, as everybody knows now, what made this extraordinary was that both engines went, got incapacitated at the same time, at the same yeah. second. I truly believe anybody would have heard multiple explosions. Now you're in New York City, multiple explosions. You're probably thinking something else. Um, yeah. But it was one explosion. So it's like, you know, we'll just go back to the airport. But uh, as we know, it, uh, it capacitated the plane. And as the plane started banking, I looked out the window. All I could see was the skyline of New York. And it was right there. I mean, it was close. And it was like, I've never seen this before. And all of a sudden, I looked out a little bit further. I saw this bridge coming up. I'm like, Never seen a bridge before, like flying. <laughs> so, you know, that's when, um, if you've seen the movie Sully, you know, when he said his famous words, this is your captain, brace for impact. That's when I knew something serious was going on. And, um, and uh, you, know, you know, roughly about uh, 60 seconds to 70 seconds after that moment uh, is when we crashed into the Hudson River. And it was a hard impact. The plane impacted the river, uh, hit, as we know now, hit perfectly because if it didn't, well, I'm not here today. Yeah. Um, but it hit about 100 to 120 miles an hour. So it was a very hard impact. So it jolted me, and I think it jolted many people. It went back and forward. And, but what happened to me, Paul, is when I looked up and I looked out the window, because I was in a window seat, I saw light, which I think was a great metaphor for that day. There was light, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know, depending on what your belief system is, and light is something that's positive. So at least you know Amen. that you're alive at that moment. But the plane's filling quickly with water. So it's like, uh oh man, time to get out of this thing. It's gonna go to the bottom of the Hudson. And that's uh that was my thought process. It's my game plan, Paul. When I, we were going down, the last thoughts that I had was my game plan was aisle up out, aisle up out, aisle up out. I kept saying that aisle up out. Because I, you know, yeah. in business and I'm an athlete, you always have a game plan. You know, you put the game plan together. And so that was right. my game plan, but uh as you sort of referenced earlier, when I got to the aisle, it was my time to go. But I, something happened to change that day and change the entire direction of where I was going. And uh, it was my mother, 
who uh, heard her talking in my head and she had passed away in 1997. But there was something when I was a child that she would say to me and my sister and brothers, I remembered it was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And, yeah. and I tell people, you know, you look back on that moment because one of my books called Moments Matter, look at that moment. You know, my mother didn't tell me what to do, Paul. She, uh, she said, if you do the right thing, it made me make a choice. And I look back at that moment as one of the greatest lessons my mother and father gave me is they made me make decisions when I was young. You know, mm -hmm. and as we all know, when you make a decision, you have a consequence, good or bad. Right. And yeah. but when you learn that when you're young, and that's one of the things I, I tried to instill in young people. If you learn how to make those calls when you're young, you may not make all the right calls in life, but at least you know how to make a decision. And so the decision right. I made was was right for me is help other people first. And that's, that's how I quickly became the last passenger out of the plane because I helped other people in the back of the plane get out. And it was time for me to go. But then, as I think you know the story, but I looked out and there was no room on the wing of the boat for me. So that's why I was inside the plane for roughly seven minutes, waist deep in 36-degree water holding on to lifeboat while every other people were getting on the wing until it became evident by a movement in the plane, what's happened, I found out later, it happened to be a tugboat that hit the front of the plane, that this plane's oh. going down. It's, hey, there's nothing left for you to do here. Get out. <laughs> that's when I had to swim to the closest boat that I could find, which is wow. about, uh, about 15 yards right down that wing, and that was the uh, hardest 15 yards swim I've ever had in my life, but I got there, and now I have to climb, get up the ladder. I couldn't do it. I heard my mom again because my mom always told us there's no such word as can't. And that's when I helped my, started making my way up. And fortunately for me, two hands, what I call the gift of God, reached down and grabbed me and pulled me on the lifeboat or on the ferry. And that's a, that's a very condensed version of what happened that day. But it was, it was truly a miracle that, uh, that all of us survived. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You must have you're you must have been numb. I don't, how would you even kick your legs uh, when you're swimming when you had been standing in the water for for that long? Uh, what what yeah. happened after? Well, you know, it's, it's a think good good question because you know I now I swim and there's a whole other version <laughs> of what happened going back in Hudson, but in learning how to kick. But you know, I think and when I when I was told and what I, you know I'll, I'll believe because I was told this when you're in that kind of situation, you know, you just sort of become. You just, you just do it. It comes reflection, yeah. right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't feel cold until I got on the ferry. So I just, my instincts, and then, Kaylee, I'm not, I'm not a good form swimmer. I've learned that later on, but I could swim, you know? So yeah, uh, good thing. I literally, you know, kicked in to be able to kick and uh, stroke. Right. Wow. So how has your experience uh, since then on Flight 1549 influenced your faith and spirituality? And what role did this play in your recovery and resilience? Well, thank you for that question, because one of the first the first magazine interview I was asked to do, Paul, was uh, with a gentleman by the name of Rick Warren. I don't know if you know who Rick Warren is, um, very well-known pastor out in California. And he yeah. went interviewing for his magazine called Mission Focused Leadership. Um, and so I did this interview and he asked me the same question. How did faith kick in? Were you always faith? Did you, did you have faith before this happened or just like a soul to Paul moment? Yeah. And I told him, I said, 
before we go further, or as we go further, I should say, I want you to speak to my minister. Let him tell you what my faith, his perspective of my faith was. So in this article, I share that and how my minister viewed because I always believed that there was a God and God's hands were on all of us. But this became a, a strong reference for if you have faith, ultimately it will work out. But, you know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, if you look at faith from a perspective of, you know, when Paul, Jesus asked Paul to walk on water, you know, he didn't have faith and he fell, right? And, but when he had faith, he could walk. And I share people, I said, one of the things that came to my revelation, Paul, here recently, probably in the last six to nine months, is when I looked down that wing and saw people walking down the wing to the boat, they were walking on the water because the, the, yeah. the, uh, the wing was actually underwater. And it was like a metaphor. People are walking on water. This is truly a miracle. So, yes, oh, yeah. faith played a massive portion in uh, that day. And, and faith gives you resiliency, likewise, you know, because you know that there's something bigger out there than yourself. And so, you know, if, if you have that, you know that, uh, you know, if, if you can just stay focused, keep your mind about you. You can you can have you'll have resilience. You can pull through about just about anything. Yeah, and I think having your mind about you is is probably the most one of the most important things you just said, uh, because having faith um, is one thing, but you know the what does it say in the Bible? The, um, the 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 spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's right. And and um, we have so many distractions and things. If you if you don't have your mind right, you don't have your mindset right, and you know that there's faith and you you trust in it, uh, you're you're going to have a heck of a time to succeeding. And that's where your resilience coming in comes in play. Especially, uh, you know, persistence, persistence and faith kind of walk hand to get, hand in hand together. Uh, and so, having adapted, you have in your experience. You've adapted your teaching and consulting and your faith uh, and your speaking approach since then. What new topics or insights have you added to your repertoire during your ongoing experiences and growth? Yeah, thank you for that question, because, you know, there, every day there's a new revelation or a new insight that comes. You know, what happens occasionally to me, Paul, is, uh -huh. you know, when I'm sleeping, all of a sudden something triggers about that, that time. I mean, still to this day. And it's something sort of just pops in my head and I can use whatever that is to impact somebody else's life. And, you know, and I talk a lot about leadership and personal leadership because that's what it all starts with. You have to lead yourself first. So, you know, one, you know, there's many lessons I've learned from that day and I share now in my, in my talks. Uh, but I, I tell you one of the biggest things that I learned, especially which I started really sharing more in depth during COVID uh, because everybody's sort of locked down and everybody had a lot of uncertainty going on, yeah. is that, uh, you know, one of the biggest lessons from that day is to be less judgmental. And mm. how that came about was I was in the green room of Good Morning America with some other passengers and the crew after an interview. And I saw one of the passengers getting excited. Let's just say excited. Okay. I'll use that terminology. <laughs> and I immediately started thinking, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, we survived a plane crash. We're on national TV. I mean, how bad can it be, right? And I quickly started judging him, and all of a sudden I found out shortly after that that he was going through a divorce and he lost his job. And he blamed the plane crash for everything. And I started wow. questioning myself. I said, like, you know, how many times have I judged somebody so quickly that I have caused myself money, relationships, right, that I could have had? 
if I can stop being so judgmental, how could that affect me going forward? And that one thing that I learned, that one thing that impacted me, it's opened up so many more things like meeting you and meeting the people we got to be with. I mean, that would never happen if I was, you know, judging people. And I shared this during COVID because, as we know, COVID, everybody's judging everybody. You couldn't even talk to anybody without having a, having a discussion, potential, you know, altercation. You know, yeah. everyone was so dug in. So uh, I say, you know, the biggest things I talk about now and learn is you can be less judgmental. It opens up relationships, which opens up impacting other people, um, which is what we're all here to do. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, um, being judgmental is is rooted in pride. And pride is probably the, the worst sin uh, that you can have against yourself, against God and against against man. And, you know, we're, we're taught to to love your enemies and to love your neighbor as yourself. And being judgmental just doesn't fit in that equation. And so and we do it every day. We just look at someone and say, oh, well, this is what this is the the thing that we think about them. We do it at work. We do it at a play. We do it at church. You know, we do it everywhere. And uh, it's it's a human trait to compare ourselves to others. And so good point. I, I didn't expect that answer, but uh, that's a dark, a good answer. So um, you have a program called Limitless, and it teaches people how to use that experience that every one of us has some kind of experience, whether it's a, uh, um, what do you call that? When you, when you reach the bottom when you bottom out, when you when you when you feel despair, when you when you're just about to lose everything, you're three feet from gold and you give up. Right. Uh, those moments, those moments can either just change your life forever for the worse, but also they can change your life for the better. And so that's what you're teaching us. Can you tell us a little bit about that? About there's especially now with all the uncertainty we have going on. What is some, what do you do? What do you teach? Yeah, I thank you. I, you know, I was interviewed for a magazine called AARP Magazine about this topic, and I didn't know why they want to interview me, especially for AARP. I'm not an old guy, right? I was like, you know, these are <laughs> old people, and old people know everything. So what can I teach them? But there's a, there's a term was called PTGS, post traumatic growth syndrome, and there was a couple of universities that did a study on me and some other people and how we grew from a traumatic life event instead of going to this, this despair or even worse. Uh, you know, depression. And I shared what I did, how to grow out of that. And how Limitless came about was it was it became a, now a metaphor and a way to show people how to do it. I mean, I talk about it. I can show people how I did it. But I want to make something big just so I can show everybody on a big stage. How do you do it? Right. How do you do this? So it all about two years ago, it all started April of you know, 2021. Um, uh -huh. when I got called by a friend who I call my wingman, Suzanne, because she was going to swim in the Hudson River with the Navy SEALs and ask me if I would be willing to go back into the Hudson River, a place that almost took my life, to show people how to not only face your fear, but do something to show people how how they can accomplish anything in life, even at whatever age. I was, I was 60 at that time, Paul. Yeah. And so it was, I agreed, and it was uh, it was hard for me. I mean, I had swam for 40 years. And now I'm going to swim 3.1 miles from New Jersey to New York and do everything else with the elite of the elite Navy SEALs who are, wow. you know, who do this for basically, you know, what they do. 
in 100 days. And so I, 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 I put together the game plan. And this is what my limitless talk, I talk about limitless and coach people on. How do you get uh-huh. something done in 100 days that you've done nothing in 40 years? And I show people how to step by step on how you do it. So your mind is limitless. I mean, I'm 60 years old, and all of a sudden I went back and accomplished. You see this picture behind me right here, right? That's me coming out of the Hudson River, you yeah. know, with, you know, with them that day and being able to do it in 100 days. So, you know, the mind is limitless. You know, if you have your belief systems are the only thing that are holding you back right now. So I want to show everybody, especially, you know, not older people, but millennials and Gen Zers and Gen Xers. So, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, life's tough. But, you know, one thing that people like me and you have that they don't have and is wisdom. They are they're smart as can be. I mean, I tell people the millennials and Gen Zers are the smartest group of people on the earth. But they yeah. lack wisdom. They lack mm-hmm. purpose. So if I can impart that on the, impart that on the next generations coming up, uh, even a 60-year-old, 62-year-old guy now can do something like this with, you know, what could you do at age 30? And you, you got me by 30 years. What could you accomplish? And this is what Limitless is all about. Right. Wow. And can you share some examples of individuals or organizations that have, have used Limitless and, and successfully turned that life event into opportunity and challenges into success? Yeah. I, you know, and I, this is something I, and you and I were blast together. I had no clue that I was going to be doing it, was not passionate about, but it, it sort of came to me about this because people started approaching me with that question. How do you do it? Show me how to do it. So right. I, I put together a coaching program and I, you know, I'm like, I wasn't into this. But I put together a 12-month program based on everything that I learned, you know, from my mentor, Bill, and, and Tony Robbins, my time with Tony, and my current mentor, Don, and my experiences. And I put together a program to show them how to do it. So, you know, yeah. first, first one of the first things we do is, A, I want to understand how they think. How do they make a decision? And we talked about decisions earlier today, right, about making decisions. Yeah. There's a tool yeah. that I learned and I, I use and show people. It's called Colby on how people make a decision. And so right. I want people to understand this is why you're, how your mind's wired. This is why where you're at, where you're at right now, right? And how you're wired. So we start with how their mind's wired. And then I should go through a, basically a 12 month program showing them whether it's through state management or how the meetings are attached. These, all these things that I've learned, I show them how by just reframing meetings or changing their state or how to do this effectively, you know, or how to, you know, how to do something, you know, in a hundred days by you know, finding your who for your how, how you do this. This is how I do it. So I, this is how I, you know, I, I take selected people. I only take about 12 people at a time, Paul, through this process. Yeah. Because it's, um, it's very impactful. I've had two people that have grown their business you know, three times over 3X in a year just by just putting together a few of these things. You know, it's called, I call these levers, right? You have all these yeah. levers you got. You don't have to change every lever, but if you change one lever, yeah, how can that affect Or you change two, how can it affect you? This is what I do with people. Right. Amazing. Well, let's hold it right here. And let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Lead Machine Growth Show is brought to you by Lead Machine, the step-by-step tech easy system for getting leads online. Are you ready to start attracting your ideal audience right away? Join the five-day Lead Magnet Magic Challenge today at www.getleadmachine.com. 
forward slash magic. Say goodbye forever to struggling with lead magnets and say hello to getting your offer seen by your ideal clients. We're talking with Dave Sanderson about limitless and how to turn adverse life events, almost turmoil into opportunity and seizing those challenges in life and in business. Uh, Dave, thanks so much. You're talking about your, your 12 month program. Um, how do you help individuals identify and capitalize on opportunities? Uh, again, you, you kind of went over this a, a moment ago uh, that may arise from uncertainty or unexpected challenges. And what role does resilience play in that process? Yes, thank you for asking. Because this is what happened. This is my story. This is what happened yeah. to me because I went through, and, you, and my, my third book is called From Turmoil to Triumph, right? I, uh-huh. The turmoil that I had through a plane crash. And a lot of people from that day, here's, here's, here's a secret that not a lot of people know. A lot of people from that day still haven't got back on a plane. Wow. And the question I get most of the time on interviews, Paul, is this. How do you get back on a plane after you go through a plane crash? And it's not about, it's not literally going back on a plane. It's, it's how do you go back and face this stuff? How do you do it, right? Because, like I said, yeah. many people actually haven't gotten back on a plane. But, you know, there's, there's a couple of different ways that you do it, right? And there's this is what I, I talk about. This is how I, I help people with. You either have to change your, you know, your life conditions, what you're doing, right? Your actions, or your well, mindset's a bigger word, but your, your perspective of the world, your worldview. So this is where people get caught up because they may have a worldview of, you know, this is how the way life is supposed to be. See, I, I give you an example. Let's talk about, you know, I'm not talking politics now, but you know, there's a worldview of how people per- perceive President Trump and how people perceive President Biden. There's a worldview. But like I said, if you become less judgmental and change your worldview, you change your course of your direction. Or you change your life conditions, like what we talked about what you're doing right now on your cleanse and changing your body. What I'm doing with my, my body and things, because, you know, there's, that's changing a life condition, which changes your state, which changes your direction in life. So right. these are, this is like the, all this stuff's intertwined, right? It's, I mean, and it's nothing new. It's just that what I do is help people simplify it, right? I help them find out what I call their distinct advantage, what they're uniquely gifted at and most passionate about, and how they can use that, right, to uh, affect not only themselves, but more importantly, impact other people. Right. And how can individuals uh, or organizations balance the need for stability and security with the willingness to take risks like getting back on in the plane and embrace that uncertainty to create new opportunities and grow. Well, you see what's, what's happening right now is, you know, a lot of companies, especially in the financial services industry, this is a little more specific, right? Once uh, decided that they, um, they were going to take a lot of risk. But look what happened. They, they yeah. were looking after the shop, right? They didn't take care of the back end of the shop. So, you know, when I, when I work with organizations and companies, what I really, you got to take care of your business first, the fundamentals first. And I mean, yeah. don't take a risk unless the fundamentals are, are set. But, what, but you know, the companies that really grow are the ones that go out there and take take that step, right? They'll, they'll risk it because, you know, being an entrepreneur as you and I are, you know, that's, it's all about risk. We're out there on our own, right? And, right. Yeah, but but you know one of the things I learned by being an entrepreneur, Paul, which I'm sure you or nobody else has ever gone through, is I was really good at a couple of things. But what I wasn't really good at is the back end administration, the fundamentals. So this is one of the things that I learned 
And I, I mean, I really had to focus on it and I really worked hard on now is finding my who's for my how. And this is what I coach companies and people to do is you're not, you don't, you, you know, you don't need to know how to do everything. There is somebody out there who knows how to do it. Find that, uh, find that resource, find the who for how, and you're less at your risk and you still be able to advance your cause. So how do you go about building teams like that? It's all, it's all about lining people up with your value sets, you know, okay. and people, people, you, you met one person on my team, I got a small team and, but people on my team understand, you know, a couple, couple of things. Number one, what drives Dave and what's, right. what is the mission? And if they don't buy into the mission or don't understand me, they're not, not, not going to be a team fit. I love them. I like them, but they can't be a part of my team. And I've let some people go that Kaylee, I, I love, but they either wavered on the mission or wavered on the direction I was taking. And so they couldn't be a part of it. So, you know, you know I always look at, you know, cultural fit first, cultural fit. Can I fit culturally with them? I'll find somebody who can do the who's and the how's, but are you culturally fit with what we're going after? If you are, we're on the, we're on the pathway to be able to do something extraordinary. Right. I was just speaking with uh, Melissa Myers about, team building. And she was talking, she met, had met someone uh, with a great deal of passion. She loved her, but she didn't have the skills that, that they needed. And uh, she would have loved to have hired her, but she couldn't, even though I think she had some alignment with her mission and she had, she had a good culture fit, but she just, yep. it would take way too long for her to be able to support the immediate and short and long-term needs of the, of the organization. Well, you look at a basketball coach. I mean, you know, I, I heard Dick Vitale say this the other day. It's so true. Is that, you know, he said, you know, if I had two things to pick from, I'm picking talent. I yeah. can, I, I, you know, if they buy into me, I, I want their talent, then I'll help them understand the mission. And so, yeah, you got to have talent, right? You got to have talent. Yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, you also have to, uh, be able to understand the mission and be have culturally fit into what's good, what we're accomplishing. So it's a trifecta, right? And yeah. without any one of the three, something's going to, you might get a short-term win, but it's not going to be long-term. Yeah. And people that I work with in my coaching group, uh, the lead machine mastermind group and my habit force coaching, uh, a lot of times values, uh, believe it or not, the values of the organization for me and the person uh, if I can't, if, if there's not some sort of synergy there, I, I can't work with them. Uh, and a lot of times what happens with small companies that grow, they um, they get to a certain point and they have the, you know, the founding members, the founding people who founded the organization. They, they, they have these attitudes about their employees, about their vendors and about their customers. And they, they have a certain way that they want to treat them. It's, it's, you know, it's the golden rule is what I call it. And what happens too, too often is that once a company gets to a certain point, those values get forgotten. And how do you teach? And, and I know you're, you're nodding your head. How do you, um, so they've, they've forgotten. They, they make shortcuts. Their middle management doesn't understand that mission. They're, uh, and they don't instill that in the employees and they don't treat, they, they start not treating their vendors right. And so what, what ends up happening a lot of times, and I've experienced this, is the, the employees, number one, stop caring. Mm -hmm. Number two, the, event, the vendors stop caring. Number three, 
the clients leave, the customers leave, because they're going to go to, to the next player who's cheaper. They're not going they they don't understand your values anymore, and they they don't want to. They feel like a commodity. They they are ignored. They're you know they're you're complacent. Your your business doesn't care anymore. And so, how do you instill that in the in the companies that in the people that you work with? Because I know that your value is driven. And so, how do you how do you communicate that? How do you uh, curate that or, or uh, oh, cultivate? Thank you. I actually I just recently wrote a blog about this, and it's called "Being a Hero to Your Team." And uh -huh. I share something that happened to me um, that helped me become a hero to my team. And then I shared somebody who who's going to be on the cover of my next magazine, um, who I found out is not only a hero to her team but hero internationally to people. Because that's that's what you're trying to do. You want to become a hero to your team, and what here's this, here's what happened. I was it was the fifth anniversary of the Miracle on the Hudson, and as you're probably aware, I on a big five year anniversary anniversary, but on the five year type anniversaries, I do something big. I was in New York, New York and New Jersey, doing media and speaking and all this fun stuff, and I was at the hospital where I went to, in between stops, in between I was going in between a stop in New Jersey and New York City. And I was talking to them, right? And I get a phone call, Paul. I had a this meeting. And it was with a um, media station that had, just say like this, a, uh, an alternative perspective on presenting news. Okay? Just leave it like that. <laughs> and I was uh, meeting with uh, you know, the executives from the hospital. And I talked to one of the members of my team. And, you know, I declined the interview. And somebody asked me, it's like, you know, well, listen, you you should have taken the interview because, you know, you could probably impact this, this other alternative with your message, right? And I said, but yeah, but you know what? It's not my value set. And candidly, my team didn't buy into it. And as soon as I came back and I had a conversation with my team, they told me I became their hero by wow. standing up, looking into my value. And I said, that's, that, I think that's critical. Is the key thing you got to do is you got to show your team you're in it with them for the long term. You're in it for the right things. You're not going to waver off the mission. And if you're not going to play to that, hey, listen, I'll love you, right? I'll help you find someplace else to be. But that was the day I became a hero to my team. And I think that is what people are looking for. They want to be a part of a company that has heroes. And, wow. you know, it's like, like people on the plane, you know, they look at the captain. He's, he's, he did some very heroic things. There are passengers that did very heroic things. And that's why this story lives on, because people are looking for heroes in their life. That's why Marvel movies and DC movies still survive. These are heroes. If you want to look at that. So I think if you can become a hero to your team, Paul, they'll stay with you. And when those questions come about and people start wavering, because I was actually talking in Toronto earlier this week, talking to a gentleman who's having this problem. He said, well, he said, give me some counsel. I said, and we went through something. I said, you know, you got, you got a couple of decisions to make. And he's a, one of the founding partners. He's, and his team has losing faith in his, his partner. I gave him some counsel. I said, but it's up to you. I said, you know, it's your choice, but you basically have two, two different options. And if you do, both of them are going to help you. It doesn't matter how, how you're going to do it. So, but yeah, he, hopefully he'll make the decision of he'll become a hero to his team again. Right. Wow. Good advice. So let's see, where are we at? My cat just jumped on my lap and, and knocked me, <laughs> knocked me out. Oh, knocked me off balance. Here we are. 
how do you balance the demands of speaking in your consulting career with your relationships, with your family and responsibilities? And what advice would you give to others who struggle with this balance? I struggle with this for years. I mean, like most, I'm not unique. I have had these, but you know, what I did and I can talk about, it, I found my who for my how, cause I'm not good at that. Uh, my EA who you've met is the mm -hmm. person, her job is to do one thing, manage me. She, yeah. I, and as soon as I finally gave up the reins and said, you know what, you tell me what I need to do. Right. <laughs> Here's, and she basically, and this is how we came about today. Cause I don't do that anymore. Cause if I did, cause Paul, I was double booking, triple booking. I was doing things. I, I was trying to be everything to everybody. And she set boundaries up for me. And Great. I, that way, because one of the things I'll give you a little insight. One of the things that when I was with Tony Robbins, when I was at security, one of the things he told me was, he said, yeah, it's your job to be the no guy. So I'll never say no to somebody, right? It was yeah. my job, right? To be, redirect people's perspective, let's say it that way. That's mm -hmm. her job. Right. I'm not I'm never going to say no to anybody, but she's the one who can help redirect uh, to make sure I can fulfill the mission I'm supposed to be doing for that day. That's how I do it. Awesome. And so we've talked a lot about this, but so looking back on the on that miracle day years later, what are some of the biggest what's the number one biggest lesson you learned? I think we talked about it earlier uh, yep. and then you've learned and your insights you've gained that you didn't have back then. Yeah, well, first thing is definitely be less judgmental. That, that's, uh, that was uh, one of the biggest learnings. But another big learning is this, is, um, you know, don't let your ego get in the way. Uh, and what, do you mean? what do you mean, Dave? Well, you know, one of the things I learned that day and is, you know, I'm pretty good at a lot of things, right? And being a leader, you know, leader by giving direction, you want to step up and you want to handle it, right? But what you learn in a situation like this, which really is across everything you do in your life, there's... Other people that have skill sets likewise are probably as good or better than you. And oh, yeah. sometimes it's better to let somebody else do it and so you can direct your eyes and your focus on th other things that you can do really well. So, well, that's what happened in the plane that day. There were leaders that stepped up. Sometimes you have to step back and let somebody else you know, manage it so you can focus on serving other people in different ways. And that way you can exponentially multiply the effect on people. Right. Very good. Well, we're about to wrap up. So thank you so much for coming up. But before I have one question, I told you I was going to ask you this, but I didn't tell you what it was. So if you could have one more conversation with someone on the plane that day, whom would it be? And what would you say to them? Well, I've talked to a number of the people. Um, but, you know, I guess one of the things I, I would, I would, I share this with pretty much everybody. So I would share with somebody on the plane is, you know, don't take anything for granted. Pay attention. Be aware yeah. at all times, you know, and because you never know in life when something's going to happen. Did you know and I know when COVID was going to happen? Nope. No. Right? And all of a sudden during COVID, what else happened? We had social justice questions that came up, right? Yeah. All of a sudden we got things that are going on. And all of a sudden all these other questions start coming up because that's what life's about. So the plane is just a metaphor, right? The plane is just a metaphor because if you're not, if you don't stay awake because going back to my Christian basis, what did Jesus ask the disciples to do that faithful night? One thing, only one thing. Stay, stay awake. awake so that so you don't you don't undergo the test. That's right. Stay awake. And what they what can they not do? Stay awake. Right. right? All right. Yeah. What, what did it cost? 
short term, it cost everybody everything. But yeah. long term, it turned out, of course, glory. But, yeah. you know, when when you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned when you're when you're uh, your God or the person you believe in says something like stay awake. They're saying it for a reason. Right. Yeah. That would be my yeah. advice. To my people is like stay awake. Right. Because you never know when something's going to happen and you got to be able to step up and perform and take action. Wow. That's a good one, especially, yeah, given given our faith. So what are three tips on how our audience can implement these awesome ideas and concepts and strategies that you've introduced today? So thank, thank you for, for asking that because this is what my new blog is about. I just wrote, uh, we talked about today. It's three things. This is what people are looking for, whether you're in sales or you're looking you know, in a relationship, whatever you're looking for. Number one, they're looking for somebody, A, that has the ability to provide direction. They're looking for leadership. They're looking for someone to give them direction because nobody knows everything. Second, right. as part of a relationship, what they're looking for is this. They're looking for how you develop a relationship is you provide confidence between you and that person. The second thing, provide confidence. The third is provide what you know, I call, you know, there's two ways to grow a business. You know, through innovation and marketing, be innovative, provide creativity, provide your capability of being able to be creative, because that's what people are buying you for. They, what they're looking for you for is the answers that they don't have that you possess. So number one, provide direction. Number two, provide confidence. Number three, provide creativity. Those would be my takeaways that uh, I would hopefully leave this audience with and what I do to help people when, uh, when they come to me. Awesome, Dave. You're you're. Your message is so inspiring, and I, it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, you've graciously offered a gift. It's the most recent issue of your Moments Matter magazine, and our listeners can get it at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com slash Dave-Sanderson-Mag, and then that will directly download his most recent uh, 2023 version of that um, issue of that magazine. Dave, what's what's a couple of things that are in that magazine that people might might uh, find interesting? Well, this is really timely because my latest edition is coming out next week. And it's really <laughs> around, um, you know, International Women's Month. So I have six women from around the world sharing the moments in their life that made them who they are. So if you're looking for a, a fresh perspective, a female perspective, and how women leaders around the world grow, this is it. This is what we're talking about, this, this issue. Leaders from all around the world, from six different countries, you'll get perspective on how these women became who they are because of the moments in their life that matter. Sounds good. And well, you can learn more about Dave Sanderson at his website, www.davesandersonspeaks.com. Dave, do you have any parting words for our audience? I just say, uh, you know, you know, Stay focused, stay on top of the game, because, you know, what, why you're here to do is you're helping other people. It's about impacting other people's lives. And this is how you really start creating your own flight plan for your future, which I talk about, is first focus on creating value for somebody else before you even ask anything from them. And you too will be on the pathway or on the runway to be able to create that flight. Wow. Awesome. So there you have it, folks. Limitless. Creating Opportunity from Uncertainty with Dave Sanderson. Thanks, Dave. Thank and remember, faith, 
And remember, faith and action go hand in hand. So put the pedal to the metal. And until next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show, I'm Paul Guyon. So long for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Lead Machine Growth Show with Paul Guyon, where we show you how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream so that you can transform your vision into reality. Remember to visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show. Thank you.